Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Make My Move. Many of you are already aware that there are places around the world that want to attract remote workers to come and live there. But did you know that some of them will actually pay you to do so? Yeah, that's right. And aside from the cash incentives these towns might offer you, there are other incredible benefits ranging from free babysitting to concert tickets and even free healthcare. These places also make a terrific home base for digital nomads with super fast internet, friendly neighbors, and affordability in close proximity to major airports. In fact, the remote workers who relocate typically say around $20,000 per year by moving to these new communities. But perhaps most importantly, the locals in those communities are truly excited to welcome new movers in and get them plugged into the local network. The problem is, where do you start? But luckily, Make My Move is your one-stop shop for all things related to these towns. Since 2021, they've helped more than 1,000 remote workers and their families relocate, and through their platform, you can explore all the places that are offering incentives to come and live there, get personalized help to find the place that's right for you, connect with the locals, super important, and access support services to actually make the move a reality. Take advantage of all the benefits that come with your location independence by checking out makemymove.com via the link in the show notes. My guest today is Ninka Nina, who joins me all the way from Brazil, but she's originally from the Netherlands, and we dive into her personal story today because I think it reflects a lot of what people come to me with questions about, which is, how do I get started in this lifestyle? I've never lived abroad. I'm not someone who knows other languages or has studied abroad or anything like that, so I don't have a lot of experience. And that was Ninka Nina's situation as well, and she's become this true professional on living the digital nomad lifestyle. She's written a book about it. She hosts a podcast about it. Um, and she really goes deep on what it means to be a digital nomad. We also touch on her current situation in Brazil and some of the information that you might want to know if Brazil is a place on your list to consider going and spending some time in. And we get into why companies should consider hiring digital nomads, which most of us probably agree is worth considering. So this was a lot of fun. I loved getting to know her on a more personal level and the energy she brings and all the knowledge that she has to share on the subject of digital nomading and building a life for yourself abroad. She's clearly very passionate about it and uh, and has quite a lot to share. So hope you guys enjoy this one. Please help me in welcoming Ninka Nina to About Abroad. I love it that, um, you know, someone in your position who's been like traveling the world for as long as you have and exploring, like you have, you can make an adjacent travel story to like almost anything. And <laughs> I love when I ask you like, Hey, just to make sure, like, how do we get the, the name right? You're like, Oh, I have an abroad story uh, connected to that. So Ninka Nina, I'm, I'm doing my best there. I, you go by Ninka Nina, Nina. Um, there's a, there's apparently a story connected to this that I'm already eager to hear. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. And it's, yeah, it's true. Like, I'm actually so proud of you, Chase, on how you pronounce my name because I have had like the weirdest pronunciations. Plus, a lot of people write it wrong. So when they write me, like when they send me an email or whatever, it's like, it's always wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's not the easiest one in the world, but um, maybe as someone with like, I have weird names also, like actually I can, I can expand upon this from my standpoint as well, but I, I don't want to steal your, uh, your thunder, so go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm curious now about your name. So I'm from the Netherlands and my Dutch name, so my real name is Nienke. And this name is impossible to pronounce internationally. Like even if I would like say it in like an international vibe, I like, there's no, like if it's for example, Dutch, like Sarah, you could say Sarah. But with mm-hmm. Nienke, there is there's not something like that. So it's, it's just very difficult. But the story is, is that I was studying abroad and uh, I did this internship in Italy. And when I was there, people couldn't pronounce my name. And when I was studying abroad, it was fine because it was kind of funny. But then when I was really in the company and it was a company in PR and there was like fashion, like when people said Nienke, they said Nienke. And it was very mean. Like it was almost like people were like Nienke, like it was like dirty or something. So I felt like I don't want to have like a name like this. And in Italian, if they say Nina, it, it turns out like Nina. And it was so cute. And I was like, from now on, I'm a Nina and not Nyank. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It does sound like very Italian. Like I immediately throw my, my hands up in the, the very Italian way, you know, Nina. Uh, I, I love that. And yeah, I can, I mean, I can relate to this. Like, um, so actually, like my full name is. Dana Chase Warrington. I've been called Chase my entire life. And Dana mm-hmm. is sort of a unisex name that can be used male or female, but it's like mm-hmm. predominantly a female name. So this is like always very confusing and very hard to explain. Like, but like both names, uh, Dana and Chase, like first, if I give my full formal name, it's always like, you know, in whatever language you're talking, usually if I'm talking to people who are coming from another language, like, trying to explain that in another language is is really hard <laughs> and, <laughs> and people just don't don't get it and then they're like is this a cultural thing like in america do they do, are most men named dana and i'm like no and they're like well then why are you dana i'm like i can't explain talk to my parents um so <laughs> i have like that whole thing and then chase is also like a verb that you know to chase that people always have a lot of questions about and also not a very common name um especially like you know, when I was younger. So like it, it is always a funny thing. And then living in Spain the last five years, people really struggle with saying chase and they just say, uh-huh. che, che. <laughs> and hey, especially people in the South where I have like a lot of friends in Andalusia, they cut the S's off of the ends of a lot of words. So everybody just called me che, che. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I've always had a lot of fun with it. That's so much fun. I'm very curious how they would pronounce it in in Asia, like in Japan or China, che, che, or something like che, that. Yeah, che, all, che. also challenging. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, actually, Definitely. to elaborate a little bit more on the name, so I kind of turned it back to Ninka, but then I made it Ninka Nina so people can choose. Because if you say Ninka Nina, it's such a weird name, and it's kind of like a jingle, you know, like like a commercial, like da 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 da, Ninkanina. And I was like, okay, this is like <laughs> the new the new version which I introduced during my nomad life. I was like, let's go, and then people will figure out what they can use. But you can call me Nina. I respond more to Nina than Ninka. My parents were visiting me here, and there was so, my dad didn't understand something, so he was like Ninka, and I was like, yep, 
that's it. When my dad is mad, he would say Ninka. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of Ninka Nina. Now I understand the whole the whole context and the whole the whole audience does as well. So um, <laughs> we're we're off to an awesome start. You kind of you kind of touched on something there though. Like names are interesting, languages are interesting this way because it sort of changes your whole um, persona in a way. Like people go abroad and they like change their names a lot of times, or they um, experiment with like, you know, learning new languages. And then when you learn a new language, you kind of, you can kind of like almost become a different person in a different language, uh, in, in a way, like just your, your mannerisms change or the way you accentuate certain words or, mm -hmm. or whatever. So, um, but I think that whole like process of being abroad for people, particularly in like your younger years can really kind of shape you in and for your future years and i gather from listening to your podcast and and knowing a little bit about you from from previous chats like your uh your study abroad experience was something that kind of helped you navigate this new world become become a digital nomad and such so i wondered if we could kind of like rewind back to that space in your life and and talk about it and and how that kind of like shaped where you were going and then we'll get to all the things the the cool things you're doing now <laughs> absolutely so i am a huge advocate for going abroad whether it's studying on not just a holiday but like a an experience abroad so it could be like volunteering or and it doesn't matter like you don't have to be young to to do that like even if you're like listening listening to it and you're like i don't know 50 60 plus even 80 plus like go abroad i feel like Going abroad has not just changed my life, it just redefined or reshaped me as a person and that is still happening. That's a dynamic, ongoing process and I am so grateful for this uh, for this experience in a whole. Like it's been amazing. But where it started for me was studying abroad and I wasn't like really book smart growing up. So this was not an opportunity for me. Like this wasn't in my, in my path, but I was very committed because of one thing. I was watching the Hills when I was younger and all these girls that had so much drama with their boys and the way they were expressing themselves and all these things. And I, somehow I was like, I want to like, I want to go to the drama with a boyfriend and in English. And I, I just pictured myself doing that. Um, but I didn't speak a word English. Actually, I only speak English for like eight and a half, like maybe now nine years, which is like, that's pretty cool. Um, lots of practicing. But it's like, you know, so I had this thing and, and then I was like, oh, yeah, but I cannot do that because in my study level or student level, that wasn't a thing. You can't go abroad um, because I was just not book smart. I worked myself uh, my way up. And then I had the opportunity to go abroad. I did the the IELTS test. I just just uh, passed the test, and like I really, I literally was like when the the hearing uh, exercise was, I was like with my head like half like fa like my ears facing the wall or the the ceiling to to hear whatever they said when i had the conversation with the lady i was like i really need to go abroad like please please give me enough points because <laughs> i knew i was like like i wasn't good at it and somehow it happened thanks universe and then i went abroad i'm i studied in denmark and this was my first experience of meeting people that were not like me different food habits different ways they interact i'm 
so yeah, that's it. And then I, I sat right there. I was like, I'm not going back to the Netherlands. That's not going to happen. I need to stay abroad. That was my next mission. <laughs> <laughs> we share we share a lot in common in this way. Um, I'm glad we hadn't talked about it before and are getting to now because um, it's actually like a part of my life. I don't get to, to chat about much on the show either. But like um, for me, I, I didn't leave the U.S. until I was 18 years old. Um even though I had a desire to travel and such, we just like didn't, it wasn't a part of our, um, like we did some domestic travel in the U S but not like a ton of, or not any international travel. And then my, my senior year of high school, I saved up money and went abroad for a few weeks and went to Australia. And in a similar way to you, I think like, although Australia is very far from the U S um, like culturally, we're not talking like drastically different, you know, I didn't insert myself into like Indonesia or, or <laughs> Latin America or something like I was just in a, in a place where I was still speaking English. Like I could have blended in, you know, pretty well. Um, but I was immediately like hooked and yeah. I thought like, I just have to make this a core part of whatever I do. And then I went off to college after that and like, you know, did the study abroads and the internships abroad, like constantly seeking any opportunity to insert internationalism into into my life and it, and it sounds like the same for you absolutely and just to point out on australia i was in australia it's so hard to understand these people when you're not a native speaker <laughs> yeah i think if you don't learn australian english like that can be really i mean the same with like british or or uh you know scottish i think in particular like yeah. i've heard a lot of people who have learned american english for example and then been like i I can't do it. I don't know. <laughs> it goes both ways though, I guess. Yeah. That's amazing to me though, that you just like, you've only been, I mean, you host a podcast now in English. You, uh, you, you do, you're very comfortable in English. Like the, the study abroad aspect was super like a, like a, a supercharger for the English you think? Um, yes, it was one of the many superchargers. Like one of the things I like really reflecting back on like this whole journey, I think studying abroad really helped me with my confidence because I did not speak English. I was work, um, learning words and trying to form phrases. And I had to because no English, no friends. There was only one Dutch girl in my program. Um, and she was really good at like speaking English and she helped me a lot. But it was just like that. If I wouldn't speak the la like no language, no friends. So I, I was forced. But that's only like conversational English. Like, hey, what do you want to eat? What are we going to drink tonight? Like that kind of stuff. Or, oh, I like your outfit. Or like, oh, what are you like stuff like that. But then there is this whole other um, world where you have to, uh, if you want to stay abroad, like how are you going to communicate um, in a way that is more culturally appropriate internationally. How are you going to work? Like when I moved to the Philippines, I was there in a tech startup. And I remember very well my first emails that I wrote, this is like for months straight, I had girls in my team looking at it because I'd never written a professional email before, let alone in English. Like that was, and th that was a very strange thing. So um, it was one of the many superchargers, absolutely. <laughs> mm, that's that's mind-boggling to me. As someone who didn't grow up learning languages either and is trying now, it's challenging. It's like, I mean, it, so for some people, it's, it's not. Like I've had, uh, I have some friends or I've had somebody on the show, John Lee, a guy that comes to come, he, he comes to mind immediately. Like he speaks like six or seven languages. My boss is 
at Duist is Dutch and I mean, not Dutch, uh, Danish and speaks like, I think six or seven languages wow. and like it, they just come easy to them and they don't really have to put a lot of effort in. I'm not that person that it, it, <laughs> I have to put effort in, same, same. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's mind blowing and like super courageous to think about like moving to the Philippines, not being super comfortable in English yet and being like, okay, now I'm going to work in English and write business emails in English. Like that's, yeah. I mean, you only, you have to be thrown into the deep end to, uh, to grasp that, I guess. A little bit, but I also have to say that I surrounded myself with people that were excited and willing to help me with that. Like, yes, it's me speaking English right now, but it's been my community that helped me to get there. So it was in, in Denmark, it was there. Like you, you have all these people that are also learning English, um, which is great. Then I did my internships and my friend from the Philippines, she was my housemate. So can you imagine I was in the kitchen asking her like, Oh, where is the thingy? And just pointing at things. And she said, Nina, no more thingy. You're going to like, we're going to give everything names. We had like sticky notes on things because I would keep forgetting the words. And this is how I learned more household English. And then when I moved to the Philippines there, I, I learned my first business English. And now I learn more entrepreneurial English. And now I like, now I'm an expert in digital nomadism. So that's also good English, but it continues to go. And to be honest, the podcast is a supercharger too, because I had an American on my yeah. podcast and this guy was using words. I was like, in the meantime, like very softly Googling things because I was like, Oh, I don't know what this means. I was like, I was like, Oh my God, I don't really speak English well enough because I don't understand the word. So it's always, I'm, um, it's always you and community and there's always learning opportunities. It's never done. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You never, you never arrive. Like that, <laughs> that thing, that whole mantra like applies to everything. I feel like you're, you're always continuously climbing some mountain and, um, and it's definitely true with languages. Well, kudos to you for, for getting to a pretty high point on that mountain in the, uh, in the language uh, <laughs> aspect. That's really, really cool part of the story. What were you doing in the Philippines? Yeah, so I did my first work experience there. Um, so after this first half year of studying abroad, I did like internships and internships. And like I said, I didn't want to go back. And I I didn't really know what, what like the next step would be. Um, and then my friends, my housemate in uh, in Italy where I lived um, the second time, I she invited me to go to the Philippines. And I was like, yeah, sure, because I always wanted to go to Asia. And I just bought a one way ticket. And I was just like, Okay, adios, people, I'm going. And let's see what <laughs> happens. Um, and then I came there, I, I was kind of lucky because of the, the community there is very thick community, I was able to find a remote job in community management. And soon I worked myself up um, to be the general manager of the tech start It was like a tech education startup. Um, so I was really, really cool. And that's, that's what I did there. And so grateful for that experience. Like, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, the Philippines is a country I really have a desire to get to one. I've uh, got like a team there that works on about abroad. Um, so work, I'm always communicating with my friends in the Philippines. And, um, and then two, like, it just looks like such a beautiful country, like the all the islands and yeah everything you have to experience there it feels like unspoiled um already and I'm, I'm really i don't know i'm looking forward to spending some time there at some point you should um it's hard to nomad there though like the internet is very challenging so take up proper holiday i would say <laughs> <laughs> yeah a friend of mine was just he just 
spent a month there. He's, he's probably listening to this, Grayson, you know, I'm talking about you. Like he told me the same thing. He, um, he spends like a month in, he's a permanent digital nomad, one month in a a different location, uh, and then changes to another place. And he spent a month in the Philippines and said exactly that. He was like, one of my favorite places I've ever been, but I needed to disconnect from, from work for a few weeks because there were power outages and Wi-Fi was tough and, um, (laughs) things like that. It's also your experience. Yeah. I mean, it's in the city, it's not so much because you're, you know, like in every other city, like it's, it's pretty okay. Um, but yeah, if you go like island hopping and those kind of things, and if you really think about it, do we really need to have the best internet on the most gorgeous island of this planet? Like, you know, it's like, we are so, um, I don't know how to say that kindly, but I feel like we're so picky with internet sometimes because it's like, you're in this amazing place, you're at this amazing place or an amazing island or in, in a mountain, whatever you're doing. But still, we want to have the best of the best internet. And we get so impatient and mad when there's not, not good internet. I'm just like, I understand it. But at the same time, I don't understand it. <laughs> you know, I was, I was on a plane, like an airplane recently. And this guy sitting behind me was just like, so we were delayed by like an hour. And he was just like so furious. And just like, like ridiculously angry. And he's just talking about how this airline can't get anything right. And (laughs) how, you know, this is insane. How his whole life is ruined because this flight's messed up. And I'm thinking like, man, do you realize that like for this thing to fly, which is an amazing thing in and of itself, like this giant piece of metal flies through the air at like, I don't know, like 500 miles an hour. Uh, I can't do the conversion to kilometers per hour. <laughs> Sorry, friends around the world. Um, and like, we're going to arrive to the other side of this continent in like two and a half hours. The thing's flying on like oil, which, you know, jet fuel, which comes out of the ground. And it's like a whole process in of itself. Like, this is so stupid. Like, we're going to be an hour late. Your life will go on. Uh, and I hear people do this with <laughs> Wi-Fi all the time, too. I'm like, I get it. You're a digital nomad, man. But like, yeah, you're sitting in this beautiful place. Like, Maybe turn the video off for right now and, and your you know, your life will go on too. Yeah, exactly. But this is also one of the perks of living abroad, right? And I, I'm sure that your audience and all the guests and including yourself resonate with this is that once you live abroad, once you start seeing other things that are important or that matter to other people, you become you truly open up and it's kind of like all of these sort of society pressure things, they slowly fall away because in the Netherlands and in the US probably as well, everything has to be super quick, super efficient. Like it has, there's so much push culture. And I understand, I actually experienced that as well when my parents were here and I understand where they're coming from. But for them to see this Dutch girl, which is their daughter, just being so chill with everything, they were like, they were really looking at me. I was like some kind of alien or something sometimes because I was like, <laughs> we just need to flow or oh, we're just going to ride the wave. And they were like, what? Like, <laughs> This is so true. Have, have you found you've like, uh, like slowed down? Like, I mean, I think you're saying this, but like it, I found this for myself, at least like moving to Spain from the U S um, spending a good bit of time in like Latin America, like, they, they joke a lot about like the manana, manana, manana culture, <laughs> but that there's this plus side to that. That's like, it's really forced me to like chill out and like slow down. And I love the word tranquilo in Spanish, which is just like, just everything's tranquilo. It'll be fine. And that, while that can be frustrating at sometimes when you really, really need something like most of the time urgency is 
overrated and, and, you know, we're, we're going to be just fine. So I've, I've found that to be a positive in my life for sure. Absolutely. How do you explain it to other people? Like people that don't live a life like you? Yeah. I mean, I've had friends ask me like, um, you know, like you, man, you seem, you seem like a lot calmer than you were before. Like, is that a, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You know, like, or there's, I guess, downsides because you could make less money or you could not get the promotion that you want or, you know, mm-hmm. not have the the house that you want. And a lot of it's tied to like work and material things. And I kind of view it differently in that I'm, um, I'm enjoying my, my life a lot more than I used to. I think I find myself like a lot more like enjoying the little things in mm-hmm. life and being a bit more relaxed, um, and, and putting more emphasis on the things around work and, and not freaking out when things don't go right. Like when you're, everything's so much tied to your expectations. So when your expectations change just a little bit, then you can, you know, you adjust to those pretty quickly. Um, but I don't know that I have a great explanation. <laughs> like it's fun. It's fun talking with people like yourself who can relate because I don't necessarily think I can explain it very well. I don't know what your thoughts are though. I, I agree. Like it's, it's, it's hard to explain it because it's an experience and it's been, at least for me, I've been, I think like, yeah, like I said, eight or nine years, like living abroad now, it took me so long to get to the point where I am today how can I explain that to someone that is not even in the early stage, not even in a preparation phase? Like the mind isn't as opened up yet. So I don't, I think it comes with experience and it develops over time. And also like when it comes to expectations, like any time in any given situation, when we have expectations, there's so much opportunity for failure. And that is, not always great if that failure is seen as failure, but not as stepping stones. So it's it's all like it's all about like how you, do you perceive the world? How do you face challenges? How do you solve challenges when you don't want them? Like, and this is the mindset and the thinking that if you don't have that, it's literally speaking like a foreign language. So I cannot explain to you in Dutch something because you're gonna be like, what, Nina? It just sounds like <laughs> the whole time. So it's like that. So it's the language is, I think, so much more than just like the words and the voice. It's it's an experience as well. Um, that's very deep. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I can totally understand where you're coming from, and I imagine this is like especially true for you, if I understand correctly. You're you're living in Brazil right now, and you've you've been there for some time, um, and those. I'm drawing some, you know, some stereotypes here that may be correct or may not be correct. So correct me where I'm wrong. <laughs> feel free to. Um, but like, I imagine your your Dutch life versus your Brazilian life can come with a lot of those differences um, that can be fun to navigate. Yeah, it's um, it's two different worlds. To be honest, I don't really notice it so much because obviously I'm not so Dutch anymore. Like I haven't been living in my home country for so long. So I don't feel very Dutch in my day-to-day behavior and in my mindset and in my thinking. When I'm in the Netherlands, I think that I sort of, there's always this default, right? Because I'm, well, I'm turning 33. Um, So I have like, of those 33 years, there are nine years that I'm this developing international abroad girl. And then everything before that is Dutch. So I think it's going to take me a bunch of more years to not 
to not have that default anymore. But when I'm in the Netherlands, I don't feel it. But for me, it was like, it was actually emotionally quite shocking, but also celebrative, like how much I've developed and how far I am away from from some of the belief patterns and thinking patterns that what I grew up with. Now, I don't say that anything is bad. I'm not better or anything, but it's just like when you see it so black and white in front of you, it's like, holy crap, that is intense (laughs) because you don't always get that opportunity to, you know, see A and B like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, does anything in particular jump out at you? Like, like I have a few things for me that when I go back to the U.S., I don't notice about myself until I return home. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, I, my mindset's changed. on. I, I didn't know that until now. Um, is there is there something like that that's that's coming to your mind that when you say like, oh, like I, I see this version A and this version B of me? Yeah, I think the most recent thing is because my parents were visiting was I'm kind of how I perceive challenges um, and also how I how I see experiences. So we were in Rio. It was on the bucket list of my parents. They're so cute to have a bucket list. Um, and, you know, I love Rio. It's one of the places where I feel home and that I can call home. Um, so we were there and obviously everything went like the Brazilian way. So the pickup would be between 12 and 3 and that was ridiculous. And like a lot of things were ridiculous in, in their minds. And that's exactly what they said. That's a very Dutch thing to just say it unfiltered and just like be really hard on things and people. Um, And I noticed that with everything, I was like, just so chill. It didn't, it didn't affect me. Like I didn't get upset. I didn't get frustrated. And for me, the AB was that I don't experience frustration anymore when things are not going my way. I feel like I was so highly flexible. I'm... But then seeing my parents struggle with these like th- with these things, that was really hard for me because I wanted to like share my vision and I tried, but they were in their frustration in some moments. So they weren't opening up to what I had to say. And that that then you have a miscommunication in language. Like and Dutch people are very confrontational. So when that happens, they will say it. And I was just like breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, because I don't want to disrespect my parents either. It's, you know, you know what? I, it's like, it was very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see this. I mean, dealing with those, those, uh, like gray areas is a big thing that you become accustomed to, uh, living abroad yeah. and you find yourself saying like, I'm, I'm more okay with between 12 and three or like, you know, stop the, service person will come by sometime tomorrow, you know, and it's like, well, what time? Like just tomorrow, maybe afternoon, you know, you're like, okay. Um, You know, actually uh, things don't go right. Yeah. And you know, also what I just came to mind, I didn't realize it, but I'm realizing it now. I also have something to do when I have to wait three hours because I mean, work, there's always work. So I just open up my laptop and bomb, here I go. I understand that when you're on your holiday or when you don't have this lifestyle like us, that you can always work on something because your work is in your laptop and your laptop is always with you. Like that's a very different experience. Although if I have to wait now and I don't, I don't want to work, I listen to an audio book or I'm going to do my Duolingo. Like I will keep myself busy with positive stuff. I'm not going to scroll the news and you know, so it's, yeah, it's uh, funny. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a fair point too, because like your, your time as a, 
digital nomad, like this is your life. Whereas for them, this is their two week holiday, um, you know, or something like that. So you, that's another thing is you have to be, I've had people who have, um, like wanted to come visit me abroad somewhere and like, they've got these like packed agendas of things they want to do. And, you know, like, like three countries in in eight days and stuff, uh, which is a super American stereotype. Uh, that, that I love being like, Hey, let's just slow down. Maybe you want to spend like a week in this place. And they're like, look, man, I don't have all the time that you do. Like I got, I've got my one week of vacation. We're going to, we're going to really do this. So, uh, I think you do have to be like empathetic towards everybody's situation, but, um, but yeah, I totally noticed these things also. And I, it's funny how just the, uh, just by osmosis being in other places, you pick up on on a different way of life and kind of find yourself uh navigating those those things so i i have a lot of fun with it as well and i I think it's i think it's a good growing mechanism like that's why i really recommend i talk to a lot of people who have kids or the kids themselves who are you know in high school considering like high school study abroad or college study abroad or something and I'm like, it is the best learning experience. Like, yeah, you're going to go have a blast. You're going to go see a lot of stuff. You're going to meet really cool people, but you're going to learn a ton just by being there. Absolutely. And I think also that I don't understand that even today abroad is so difficult for people. Like, why isn't this always part of a program? Like, why isn't they're always an exchange. Like I remember back then I had to fight so hard because of my points and because of my stuff. Like it was so damn difficult and I'm happy I I really fought for it. But like for me, like learning another language is important. I think that we all should by now speak English. I know there's a lot of pressure, but I think it's very important because it opened up my world, friendships, work even like because of that I can work from anywhere because of that I'm sitting here with you today it's like I I think that it's for everyone and that's also why I said in the beginning even if you're like not like in your 20s anymore you can still go abroad like it's you're never too old to go abroad absolutely not (laughs) we'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Greenback Tax, the very best in U.S. expat tax services and the company that I've trusted to handle my tax situation since I moved abroad in 2015. Greenback is 100% focused on helping U.S. expats with their taxes and to date they filed almost 50,000 returns for nearly 15,000 happy customers like me living in more than 200 different countries around the world. After seven years working together, I can say with confidence that they make one of the most painful parts of life abroad an absolute breeze with their automated systems that store all of your information for you to make tax filing easy year after year and the friendly advisors who you actually have a working relationship with. There are no robots over at Greenback. Best of all, everyone is a CPA or enrolled agent with a specialty in U.S. expat taxes, which means they know exactly how to help you take advantage of some incredible tax breaks because you're living abroad, not in spite of it. As of January 23rd, tax season has officially arrived, so it's time to get started. Learn more about Greenback tax today by visiting Greenback taxservices.com via the link in the show notes. Hey guys, if you're still around and enjoying this episode, then I think you might actually like our once a month newsletter as well. If you'd like to sign up, just open up the show notes of the episodes you're currently listening to, scroll down and look for aboutabroad.com slash newsletter. It takes about 30 seconds to sign up. It's a fantastic way to support the show. And I think you'll be pleased with the information that we provide every month as well. Thanks a lot for listening. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. I was hoping to actually circle back to 
Brazil a little bit because I've not actually had a chance to talk to a lot of people about Brazil mm -hmm. from the way in the way that you can talk about it because you've uh, you've digital nomaded around this country for some time now and seen a lot of it. I love following your your stories um, on Instagram and seeing you bouncing back and forth between these mega cities and beaches and jungles. And um, it's obviously a place that like doesn't need a lot of introduction. People know about Brazil, um, but I think you've seen a lot more of it than the average person. So um I want to start like real broad, I guess, with this and just kind of like talk about how you how Brazil came to be where you've decided to spend so much of your time. And then maybe we can go a little bit more narrow and focus on some of your favorite places and experiences around the country. Absolutely. Always love to promote Brazil. Brazil is not paying me to do this. Maybe they should. <laughs> After this episode, maybe. <laughs> right. I'm going to send it to them. So I'm um, okay. So I came to Brazil because I was in Europe during the pandemic. And that's where I met my partner. Um, he's from Brazil. And we both like to live a beach life. Um, we both like to surf, although I really suck at it. So I'm not like a surfer, but I sometimes like it when I don't get the board in my face. Or a jellyfish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> surfer problems. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm, I think I think I'm on the same level as you. Is I can't. I really suck at surfing. Um, like I shouldn't even say I suck at surfing because I just can't surf. But I really like the idea, and I like being out there in the water with a board. Um, I picked up sup. You know, stand up paddle boarding oh, is like yeah. the old man way of picking up surfing, um, and I'm I'm cool with that. Like water board. I'm happy. <laughs> I haven't like I have done on a lake that, but never in the ocean. I should actually try that one day. Anyways, yeah. So that's how how we came here. Um, I know that Brazil has also digital nomad visa. So, um, usually, uh, you can stay here, um, up to like six six months. Wait, no, I'm saying it wrong. Ninety days. I'm, and then there's like different visas. Well, I am here because I'm like, I can stay actually longer because of my partner. Like we have, a, we have a partnership, I'm, which is something that's really nice because that allows me to stay longer. That was never part of the plan, but I am so grateful that he came into my life. I'm so grateful that um, I found a home in Brazil. And what I love about Brazil mostly is it's so diverse. Like you with a lot of people think about Brazil like, oh, Rio de Janeiro, and that's it. Or, oh, Brazil with, I don't know, big butts or uh, people with dark skin <laughs> color or like stuff like that. But when you're really in Brazil, you see so many different things. Like the place where I'm right now, I could go as a Brazilian because uh, it's a German part of Brazil. So the um, actually the people are very tall here. I'm not so tall, but it's like, you know, like, it's very in the south is very different from in the north and the diversity of the country from top to bottom is like crazy and that makes it an exciting country that you don't want to just do for two weeks unless you just want to be in Rio but it's like it's a place where I would recommend stay longer yeah yeah totally I, th I think like people do think of Rio and a few of the stereotypes you mentioned um, but that diversity is what flies maybe a bit under the radar. And I mean, when you think about Brazilian beaches and islands and jungles and mm -hmm. like waterfalls, and then, then you also add in the fact that you have these vibrant cities um, and, uh, and a lot going on there. Like it's a, it's, it's a place that we all should have on our bucket list. Um, is, there, is there any like particular places you 
have enjoyed spending some time uh, over the last couple of years? Yeah, definitely. So there are actually three places where I'm, I love to be. So number one is Rio, uh, mostly because Rio is, is a city that has a lot of nature around it. So the state of Rio has so much nature. The beaches are absolutely gorgeous. Like it's crazy. Um, but then there's also mountain, you have waterfalls, you have amazing trails. And then when you're in Rio in the city, you can have an incredible city life. But because it's on the beach, or it's like beachside, right? You also have a beach life and beach life is surfing. Um, people there in the morning, like the people that stay in the city, they work out on the beach like from like 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. There's a whole world going on there because people are working out, hanging out. Um, so that's very nice. I'm, the second place that I really love is Florianapolis. That is in the south. That's where I am right now. I'm, I've spent here almost half a year and I just came back here. It has a bit of a Bali culture. So there's a lot of cafes um, there's a lot of vegan food. There's a lot of yoga. There's also surf. It's also uh, next to the beach. Um, it's a little bit more developed. I, what I do see here is that like there, it's a little bit less mixed here. Like in Rio, you see people from all walks of life in the city. Here is a little bit less mixed, but the people are incredibly nice. It's more likely that they speak English here as well. In Rio, not everyone speaks English, which is good for your Portuguese, but it's challenging. <laughs> and then the third place is Itacare. This is in Bahia, and Bahia is known for uh, the music, for samba, um, and for amazing food. And um, this is a place that is very small, but amazing surf, amazing food, also cafe culture. I'm the internet is a bit challenging, I got to say, like, but it's developing. So I think that in the next coming years, like that is going to be a, one of the nomad hubs because it's pretty accessible. Like, so those are yeah, really my three favorite places, but like, there's so many other places where you can go then on a holiday on, or just like quick weekend getaways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, and it's huge country too. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't not everybody's uh, very geographically, uh, you know, inclined to, to understand like where these places sit and how big they can be. And Brazil is massive when you look at it on a map. Um, and so it's, yeah. it's much more than, than what you might just think of. And when it first comes to your mind. Absolutely. I feel like it's the size of Europe. I don't know how accurate that is, but it looks like that on the map. <laughs> Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, it's more, more or less, you know, and, um, and how do you feel like uh, from a safety standpoint, like are you, when you're walking around Rio and you're in certain, have you, have you like found that generally speaking, you're, you're very comfortable. I know you're there with your partner, but just, um, I think it's worth addressing because, you know, mm -hmm. people will, will ask again, they, they tie things to stereotypes and, it's worth, uh, it's worth mentioning. Absolutely. And I think it's good that you also ask because, you know, it's true. Brazil is a very complicated country. Um, there are many places where there's a lot of poverty, where people don't have drinking water, where there's no food. I'm like, I'm not going to like shove that under the rock. Like that, that is true. I'm so I'm not saying that it's good that there is violence and all these things, but I understand that I'm, um, especially in places like Rio, you have, the very, very rich, like crazy rich um, 
on the beach during the day next to a kid from the favela, for example. So that contrast, because the city is like the favelas there are built on the mountain that are outside that are protecting the city basically so it's 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 a very like that is there's no gray areas it's a very black and white um like rich poor rich poor so that's hard now from a safety point of view it depends where you are in here in florianapolis and in itacare I sometimes don't even lock my house. Like, it, it's just like, I, I forget. Like, it's not a problem. I'm not anxious. In Rio, I am anxious a little bit more. But you navigate through that as well. Like, at night, I don't walk alone. I will take an Uber. The Uber is super cheap, so that's great. I'm If there's anything uncomfortable, I know that the easiest thing to do is just walk in a store um, and just wait there for a little bit. And, um, yeah, like in Rio, I wouldn't like have my phone out, but I mean, if I walk in a, in kind of a weird street in Paris, I wouldn't do that either. So yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, but other than that, I know that some of my friends, they had uncomfortable experiences. I never had a super uncomfortable experience, but I think it's also because I'm like anything can always happen, but I don't go drunk on the street in Rio midnight. Um, I don't visit a like stuff like that. It, I think a lot of the things that we experience also depend on how you are in this world. And then there is like the really unlucky cases. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's good context. I think, and you're right to like not shove it under a rock. Like that would be, um, you know, I don't think that would be worth very much for, for, the audience who's mm. considering going and spending time there people will have these questions and so it's uh it's perfectly fine to like call a spade a spade in <laughs> in certain situations but also like brush past those things and say like look at all these beautiful places that exist beyond that stereotype where you can there are places where you don't even feel inclined to to lock your door for example and where you said like you know oh this place has like a volley volley vibe and you you blend right in and so like there's um, I don't know there's a lot to, a lot to be said for, for all those things. It gives us a good like picture of, from, from the outside looking in. So, um, thank you for that. Is there on the Bali vibe question, I'm just curious, like, uh, do you feel that like is Brazil and some of these places you mentioned, like, are they still feeling very Brazilian or have they been like overrun by digital nomads and expats at this point? Or is that like, are they still clinging to the, to the culture and the, and the local vibe or is that being tainted in any way? I'm always really curious about this and some of these like hot spots mm -hmm. where people are going to from all around the world. That's awesome. I love that. I love being in that vibe, but at the same time, like sometimes it can get to a point where it like reduces the feeling. Like I'm like, wait, am I even, yeah. abroad anymore or just like am i am i in little america <laughs> you know so um yeah i would love to hear your perspective on that yeah absolutely so um it is a little bit difficult to answer that in terms of a cultural perspective because brazil has a very wide culture like the world in sao paulo is very different from rio and Floripa. like that's very different but what i do love here is that brazil didn't have this massive digital nomad flood not like Mexico has, not like Portugal had, um, and not like Bali has. I don't think that um, that will happen because many people are, are, and I understand, are scared to go to Brazil. It is a challenging country. Um, but I do think that 
like it's a risky thing like currently i feel like super in brazil vibes um and i think i i think that will remain um but yeah like since more digital nomads are coming and you know you can see it already in the airbnbs and you can see like how cafes are like organizing their space like like it's it's this sort of wave that we're in that this is becoming the new normal to have enough internet cafes to have like other like international food options so i don't know it could happen in brazil but i think because there's still a bad stigma with brazil that not there won't be that big of a flood but they have a digital nomad visa so i think that brazil is definitely hoping for it that a lot of people would come here yeah do you know anything about that visa like any any bullet points on i know you don't have to utilize it yourself but just curious while we're chatting about it if you yeah. have any information i'm okay so i know that they have the visa and a year ago they introduced it i think and everyone wasn't sure what it was uh including the people that were supposed to like handling the visa i spoke with some people they eventually managed but it's not an easy process but then i'm thinking is any visa ir- like easy like that it's always such a I want to say shit show. Can I say that here? <laughs> yeah, that, you're, you could, you can use your foul Dutch language here. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> of course, no problem. But they, they have a digital nomad visa. And I do know that there are some immigration um, or like visa agents that are uh, uh, specialized in this. And what is it called? A, a citizen remote. They probably also know more about like this, this, particular status of the visa yeah i'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah no no problem i didn't didn't bring you on to be the uh the digital nomad visa expert for brazil just curious if you <laughs> if you knew anything you know you know more than me um and there's and i always think like with these things it's they're changing so fast like it's best just to find a local yeah. lawyer you know google digital nomad visa brazil and you'll have all the answers you could possibly um possibly want or ask chat gpt they'll They'll also probably yeah, uh, or, give you um, some plenty of information. Or find yourself a very sexy Brazilian and uh, make your way through that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. T- take the take the route you've gone, you know, and just get the local to point you in the right direction. <laughs> I think it's an interesting point you talk about, like with the digital nomads, because you yourself are um, a very prominent digital nomad in the space and helping lots of other people. Um, become digital nomads. You've written a book on this. You host a podcast all about it. Um, you you work in this space. Like you've you've done quite a bit on that front. So how do you like? How are you navigating these waters of like you know wanting to help a lot of people become digital nomads? And you're obviously you know you love Brazil, but also wanting to make sure that it doesn't this like wave doesn't come and and tarnish things at the same time. Like, is there any uh, any struggle there, or like like how do you manage your your workload? I guess in that regard. Yeah. So I that I love that question. I think we could do a whole episode on that. Uh, managing workloads is always. Uh, I mean, you know it as a you know head of remote productivity company almost. So um, what I found is that I love being the host of the Digital Nomads Daily podcast. I loved writing my book. I love helping nomad friendly. Uh, companies that are creating products or services to like help them and consult them on like uh, what nomads want, what they need, how they feel about things, because I talk to so many nomads. So I really love this. I'm um, this person, this, this, 
this part of me where I'm inspiring people, enabling people, um, but not just people, also companies. And that makes my work actually so much fun that I find it really hard to disconnect and just not work. Like I, my head is constantly flowing with ideas and things and here and there that at one point I just really need to like find like the off button. And it's not there because I'm truly, truly excited about everything that's happening and also where the space is moving and even the challenges. Sometimes they really suck, but you know, I'm there to, to fight for the nomads, like to really help them (laughs) to make this happen because yeah, but it's okay. So to manage my workloads, um, I, I batch things. I'm, I work with people I like working with. I experiment a lot. I allow myself to, um, to perceive everything as a learning experience. I, there's always like things that don't go the way we want it to go, but that's okay. Um, I love my daily walks. Those are like my, uh, my daily walk is the, the non-negotiable. Definitely. I love my time with my nomad cat. That's also a non-negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> we share we share some non-negotiables, by the way. My my morning routine and uh, consists of a, a like a morning walk or jog with my dog, and uh, and also like a coffee that I just get to actually like sit and enjoy before um, before diving into work. But like that's that uh, that special time for for just for me before I start like paying everyone else with my time and attention and energy is, is super important. And yeah. I think like having that separation, I'm sure you agree. Cause you talk about compartmentalizing, um, like having that time to yourself when you're living in a world where theoretically you could work 24 seven and people pulling at you from all around the world, 24 seven. Um, it's important to, to have those disconnects and separations and kind of like be ruthless about it. And like, this is my time. Yeah. And I think also just to add to that, it's okay to have that. Like, even if your coworker, your teammate, your friend is texting you at very late or very early, like it's okay to shut, to put your phone under the couch and just be like, I'm not touching that thing. It's okay to have notification free sessions throughout the day. Like I usually now I don't even have my phone in like my my vision anymore. I just put it somewhere else, not in the fridge, but like somewhere where it's gone because you get constantly pulled out and also turning off notifications, all these things, because, you know, you only like work is always there. It's never going to stop. People are always going to be there, but you really have to love yourself enough to truly take care of yourself. And I know that sounds like, but it's true. Like, you know, and this is challenging. I'm not saying it's easy. Like we all struggle with that, but it's important that you do because you can't be an epic human if you feel shit inside. Like yeah. <laughs> it's really difficult. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it is. And like, even from an organization standpoint, like you have to take it really seriously because like their burnout and, and overwork is actually like one of the biggest cancers that uh, remote teams face. And it's a reason a lot of people think like, Oh, I shouldn't hire digital nomads or remote workers or embrace remote work because I don't know, if people are working um, and I can't see them working, how will I know? We could have a whole nother discussion about that. But like the the statistics show that those people are much more likely to overwork, burn out, um, be working at weird hours of the night um, and, and, you know, not live like a super healthy lifestyle. If the organization doesn't take the proper measures to make sure that the, that doesn't happen and encourage you to actually disconnect and, and things like that. So Absolutely. Um, that's a, uh, 
it's, it's a natural inclination. And that's why you see so much burnout amongst remote workers. And I think especially people who like haven't mm -hmm. had the opportunity to really learn how to do this, like people are just learning on the fly right now. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, okay, like I, I'm armed with my laptop, and I can work 24 hours a day, and I'm going to be super productive. But it, um, it leads to, you know, it's, it's detrimental. And that that attrition of employees is something that that plagues a lot of uh, a lot of teams that embrace this this type of work so absolutely um, <laughs> i like it's crazy and to be honest i think that this so there's one side that a lot of digital nomads especially re remote workers and more like this the solopreneurs who are doing a lot on their own they easily get like burned out and overwhelmed um but on the other hand just to like add a perspective there i think also digital nomads are because adventure, self-exploration, self-development, growth, community building, broaden your horizon, all these things, adaptability, like that is something that we constantly are developing. I think for only for that reason, it's good to have digital nomads on your team because they will be an inspiration and a motivation and an innovator for like, how do you manage your time? Like, how do you deal with the day-to-day muse of life? Like, and I think that this is maybe a misconception, unfortunately, that companies still have. Like they will hire remotely, but not the digital nomad folks because they travel. I I find that so hard because I think like if you have people that are highly adaptable, that are curious by nature, that are open to other communication styles, other work styles, other like people, like everything that like if you have that, that is such a golden nugget. Like, why, why not? Like, I don't get it. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's they. They hold on to this image of like, uh, you know, a twenty-two-year-old with a laptop and a margarita in their hand on the sitting on mm. the beach, and they think like, oh, that's that's what I'm hiring. And it's like, no, it's all the things that you just said. Yeah. Um, and all and and all the skills that they've learned along the way, and the challenges they've overcome to get get visas and figure out how to move from one country to another or to, in your case, take a cat from one country to another, um, which comes with a whole different set of challenges. Yeah. Like if you can do those things, like you can do most jobs. <laughs> it's not rocket science what a lot of us are doing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm 100% yeah. in the same boat as you. And I think there's like a lot to be said for the people that are living that lifestyle. Um, more and more, it's uh, it, sh it should not be viewed as like something that somebody has to overcome to to get a job it should actually be like you should be able to put that on your cv right <laughs> actually it should like it should be on your cv like that you are a professional airbnb house hunter like that should be something because we all are i released an episode on my podcast about this like all the stuff that i look at when I'm like dealing with my housing and it's not like a three-step checklist it's like so many things that you every other month or whatever your cadence of moving is like you have to think about and it's the same with the problem solving and and even like facing problems like and i also think that this is just like more from a like less serious but kind of important because we have so many adventurous stories aren't really great like conversation starters and people could kind of like break the ice a little bit and you know like maybe you had like this weekend the jungle run or something like who has that you know like stuff like that i think we can really bring like good energy in a company so yeah and it's important for me also that i share it here because 
I noticed like one thing I love, really love is interviewing digital nomads. And I got that. But now my second challenge is to just not fight, but just be kind of like, okay, guys, if you don't know what it means to have digital nomads on your team, like come chat because I want to like enable companies as well. And I think as a work remote advocate, it's not about that black and white. It's about how can this come to life in your company or in your organization? And just having that conversation is like, that's so important. And you know it because you have all these chats, but like there should be more people like you, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if anybody's out there doubting whether or not they should hire digital nomads or if you're a digital nomad wondering how you convince your uh, your boss uh, to, to let you continue working from abroad, Ninka Nina is in your corner. Um, I highly recommend <laughs> checking out her book and the podcast and uh, and following along because you are you are definitely advocating for that in a super positive way. So I love the way you're going about it. Um, this was awesome. I've, I had so much fun, loved learning a little bit more about you and your story and all the advice you have. So thank you for, for sharing. Um, I mentioned some of the things that people should find, but, um, and we'll place links to those in the show notes, but if you could just mention where people should go to find more about you and the, anything you have coming up that they should know, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on link on LinkedIn under Ninka Nina, uh, but that will be in the show notes. Um, you can find the Digital Nomads Daily podcast on all your uh, podcast platforms. There's so many platforms out there these days. <laughs> so uh, many. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, for my book, you can go to digitalnomadsdaily.com sorry, book.digitalnomadsdaily.com. And on the website, we have a lot of guides, resources. And yeah, like if you have questions about this lifestyle, I'm always happy to point people to other people. Like I am an expert in this lifestyle, but I don't know it all. I partner up with digital nomad friendly companies, um, but also experts uh, who can help you find a remote job or like stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and, and Chase, thank you so much for having me. It's like... It's been so much fun. I really liked also to sit on the other side, but um, I also loved learning more about you. I know you were with me on the podcast, but it's like conversations like this that really make me spark. So thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, same. Same. Likewise, it was this is just a lot of fun for me. And um, it's really cool to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and learn more about what's going on in, in the uh, in the real world as well as the professional world. And um, so yeah, a lot of fun for me. I, I'm sure the audience got a ton out of it. So thanks for sharing. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Have fun in Brazil. I'm, I'm jealous of the, the sun and warm weather and uh, wish I could be down there bad surfing with you. <laughs> Maybe we can grab a wave in Spain or something or in Portugal. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you again. We'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me. It also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And we will see you again next week. 
Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.